You know, as Mandy was praying there, um, I, I, have, I just looked up at this logo and I looked at the colors of it and I just, the Lord asked me a question. He's like, could Fire Life become an embassy and a refuge for sinners? Could the colors of our logo be a sign that we're a safe place to go to become free and empowered? And I just sat and thought about that. Like, if you're in a foreign country and you're under siege and you're under attack, you look for your embassy. You look for the flag of your embassy. And if you go to that, that embassy, you're on your nation's territory now. The laws of your nation rule that place. And there are a lot of lost people that are just looking for a, a safe flag to run and hide under. And the one they're hiding under now, whether it's country or whatever the flags are of the, uh, that are coming out now all over, those flags do not represent freedom and empowerment. They, 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 reckon, they, they actually represent more bondage and more lies. And so God, we just ask, I say yes. Yes, we can become a place that's a refuge, that's an embassy that the colors of our logo would be a, a, a signal <laughs> that we're a safe place, not to come and stay the same, but a safe place to become set free, a safe place to come and be healed, a safe place to become empowered. And I just release that word over this house uh, in Jesus' name. And, and just pray that going forward. Every time you see the, that logo, you see the colors, say, God, we want to be a place that people can run to. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Amen. And so we just declare that, that we will become that. And, and my goal, like, right, there's a lot of um, terminology that's being used today, and we're, we're creating whole new vocabularies right now. Um, and when you hear the word safe place, I don't think that means what, what we think it means. The world thinks a safe place means a, a place where I can come and just be whatever I want to be, and then you have to accept me. But that's not actually safety, because if the thing that I'm doing and the thing that I'm partaking in is destroying me, then that's not a safe place. It's actually a furnace. But the church can be a safe place that says, yes, we will 100% without any reservations love every person here, but we will love you into wholeness. We will love you into relationship with Jesus Christ. We will love you into an empowered lifestyle, and that's what we're going to be going forward. And I, I, I feel like the Lord wants to speak prophetically in the house today, and I'm going to even go in through, through some prophetic things the Lord showed me for today, but, but God wants to change he wants to change our DNA as fire life. Like, like let's, let's do this. Let's go for it. Let's become, um, let's become a, a beacon. Come on. And that means we, we got to bring people here. We got to connect with people outside of here. That's all part of this. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to first Kings, and I don't know how much of this I'll get into today, but Hopefully I can get the thought across. My, my goal is that, that, that I get the main idea across and that you can fill in the blanks with the Lord throughout the week. Um, but the Lord just gave me this, this idea and this thought. And I was, I was thinking about like how to, as a father, uh, what, what are the things I really want to give my kids? 
Like, what things do I want to pass on to them? I've already, I've already passed on stuff I didn't want to pass on to them, right? <laughs> I've, already, I've already passed on characteristics and traits and mannerisms and, and attitudes and stuff that I didn't mean to pass on to them, but they got it, right? Well, there's some strategic things that I want to pass on to them. And if they can catch those other things, they can catch these things too. And I think the, the, the biggest one, uh, honestly, I think if I boiled it all down to the most important thing that we can teach our sons or our daughters would be that they hear God's voice and they obey him. Amen. That they can hear God's voice and that when they hear him, they just obey him. Very simple. And I mean like that it, the, the, the smallest whisper, they're like, oh, I heard Jesus in that. I heard the voice of the Lord in that, in, in this, this world of chaos, that he can just whisper, and that their heart would be tuned in to him, and that they would just go for it and surrender to him. If a ship can be steered by a small rudder, the Bible says, right? I, I want our kids to be steered by the small voice of God, like at any season of life, wherever they are, that they can hear from the Lord for themselves, and that they will have a heart to obey him that the smallest whisper will touch their heart, that they would burn for him. And, and I feel strongly that this is where we're all at, that God wants us to just tune into his voice. And in, I want to read some of this because I feel like this is a prophetic picture of where we are, at, where we are as a worldwide church. And I want to speak about prophetic, a prophetic movement. And so God, I just ask, I ask for your help. I, I, you know, I... I can't do any of this on my own, and I just ask that your anointing would come over me, that I would say what I need to, the way I need to say it, and that every heart and every ear would be tuned into your voice, that we'll hear what we need to hear that produces good fruit in our lives. God, we ask that you would change us today. We ask that you would shift us, convict us today, bring us closer today. We say yes uh, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> So I'm going to give some background, okay? Uh, in 1 Kings 18, there was, um, this was a time where there, was, there were evil people who ran the nation. It was Ahab and Jezebel. How many of you have ever heard of those people before? Like, we say a lot, we talk a lot about Jezebel all the time, right? Well, there was an Ahab with Jezebel, and they ruled together. Yeah. Y'all going to help me out today, all right? They're, they were a team. And yeah, Jezebel gets, gets the bad reputation. Yeah, Jezebel gets the focus and the attention. And, and she's the one that the, the chariots, <laughs> they're going to roll over and the dogs are going to get up. Like, there's that. But Ahab was there too. And Ahab was a wicked man. And they ruled with wickedness. And they hated the prophets. They hated the prophets of God. Um, because they were convicted by the words that they would say. The, because the, in that time period, when the prophets would speak, it wasn't these soft, encouraging words all the time. I love the prophetic movement. I love the stuff that we call prophetic today. And, and a lot of it is just very sweet, encouraging stuff. And I'm not against that. That's all for it. But in that time period, and I feel what's happening now is going to be restored, is the prophets said what God would say in the moment. And sometimes it was counterculture. Sometimes it would ruffle people's feathers. Sometimes it would take people and shake them. Like, like David before Nathan, and Nathan's like, hey, there was this guy, and he did this thing, and David's like, oh, that was so wicked. He's like, show me that man, and the, and the prophet pointed at him. You're the man. That's the prophetic. 
you messed up. And there was this, this, there were a company of prophets in this time period and they would speak what God would say. And because of the wickedness that surrounded now, now follow me because of the culture, the prophetic words had a, had a, uh, flavor to them because the culture was so wicked. The prophetic declarations were repent. Y'all here, come on. They weren't, oh, you guys are so sweet. You know, you rose to power and authority and someday God's going to use you and bless you. And it wasn't that because of the culture. Because the voice of the Lord is a knife. It is a sword. It has to cut. And in this time of wickedness, and in this time of not just wickedness, but actual hatred for the things of God. Like, we live in this time. Yeah. I will not label people Ahab, Jezebel. It's not my job to call someone those, those things. But those spirits are in the world today, not just America, in the world. And it's not just an ungodliness that's being promoted. It's an actual anti-godliness. It's a hatred of anything representing God. Goodness, righteousness, family, truth. Anything that's a virtue that, that, that is God's characteristic, the world hates it right now. And so because of it, what the world does is they shut down the prophets. And in this time period, Ahab and Jezebel, are, they're, they're uh, giving threats. They're killing prophets. They're not just abusing them on Twitter or Facebook or in the newspaper. They're actually killing them. And the prophets at this time were scared. And so they began to hide out in caves, in the valleys and in the mountains. And they even broke up into groups of 50. And they would hide out in camps all over. They grow, listen to them. They hid for long periods of times in small groups because of the fear of the outside forces in the culture. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> and there was one prophet they hated more than all of them. Who was that prophet? Somebody. Elijah. Because Elijah was, he was like the leader of the prophets. He was the prophet of the prophets. And they sent out word like, hey, you go find Elijah. We're going to kill him. <laughs> And uh, he hid. He hid with all the rest of them. He's like, I, I don't want to die. Like, I'm not done. And there was a guy named Obadiah who, who feared the Lord. And they, they sent him out. And, and Ahab sent him out and said, go find Elijah. And he comes to Elijah. And, and Obadiah's like, hey, uh, Ahab and Jezebel would like to meet you. <laughs> and uh, Elijah's, I'm giving my version of this. I'm sorry. Uh, Ahab, uh, Elijah's like, no thanks. Like, no thanks. And then they're like, well, they sent me to come see you. And he's like, okay, well, just go back and tell them where I am. Here, tell them I'll meet with them. And Obadiah's like, wait, what did, what did you say? He's like, yeah, you tell them I'll meet with them. He's like, you know, you know they're going to kill you, right? Like this is, this is a setup and they're not even trying to hide what they're going to do. Like you're walking into death. And Elijah's like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Let's meet. So they meet up. How many remember the story when they meet up on the mountain and they're like, okay, let's see whose God is God. That's where this happens, right here in 1 Kings 18. And he's like, yeah, we'll meet. They go up. And all of the prophets of Baal, which was the idol of the time period. See, there's ne there, 
we never go completely without religion. So even in godless culture, there will be a new God take a place. We're like, well, we don't want that God. We don't want God, Jehovah, but we will absolutely serve this other God of political correctness, of fill in the blank. There are tons of things. We'll worship that God. We'll bow down to those gods, but man, we hate God, who's really the only God. And so Elijah's like, let's go. Let's see whose God is really God. So all the prophets of Baal, they go up, they meet together. I can just see this giant theater where all the hills and the mountains and everywhere you could look, people are, are gathered around to watch this showdown between the one man of God, Elijah, and 450 or however many prophets, I think it was 450, of, of Baal that were there to call on their God to answer. And what was, the, what was the goal? What was the task? Call fire down from heaven. If you can call fire down from heaven, then your God is the real God. So these prophets of Baal go through all their rituals, they go through all of their, they, they cut themselves and, and they bleed and they chant and they roll around and they do all this stuff and nothing. Crickets. It's so funny because at some point in the middle of this, Elijah's kind of enjoying this, right? He's like, all right, guys, this is cute. He's like, maybe your God's on vacation. <laughs> maybe he's asleep on a pillow. One of them, one trade is like, maybe he's using the restroom. <laughs> and Elijah's just making fun. Like, oh, maybe he's deaf and he can't hear. Maybe he's too far away. He can't hear you. Like, he's just making fun of them. And that makes them even more angry. And they cut themselves even more. And they do this and they're bleeding. And they're all, they may have even sacrificed. People probably did. And they did all this stuff and nothing happened. And so Elijah's like, all right, you guys had enough. You done? Get out of the way. He clears the whole space. Like, I don't want anything defiled on this spot. Clear it all out. Bring me 12 new stones. Why did he pick 12 stones? The house, the tribes of Israel. He brings these 12 stones and he rebuilds the altar and he builds a trench around the altar and he fills it with seed and he does all the stuff that God told him to do according to how God told him to. It even says that he put the wood in stacks exactly the way God told him to. Remember when we build our altar, we got to do it the way God says to. So he builds the altar, right? And then he does something crazy. Now, I forgot to say this, but they're in the middle of a famine because Elijah said it's not going to rain. And they're in the middle of a famine. And he says, hey, go and get, I think it's four buckets of water. And I want you to pour the water all over this altar, this fire that I just like, this set up, you know, the wood and all this stuff. Just douse it with water and even all the trench. Just pour water everywhere. And they did. They poured water all over it and it rolls down and it's just soaking wet. And then Elijah stops and he says a simple prayer. Basically, he's like, God, I know that you're the real God. Would you answer me with fire from heaven? And the moment he prayed that prayer, boom, fire comes down from heaven. It consumes the sacrifice. It consumes the altar. And the Bible says that even soaked up and lapped up all of the water that he had just poured on the ground. And everyone was in amazement that he's the God who answers with fire. Ooh. And then guess what happened? They go after all the prophets of Baal and start just making war, Right? All this amazing stuff just happens. Let's go to chapter 19. And Ahab tells Jezebel everything Elijah had just done. This is verse 1 in chapter 19. 
and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. You look, we're not supposed to be safe. We're supposed to be dangerous Christians. Hello? They took the sword and killed them all. And when Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them tomorrow. In other words, I'm going to do to you exactly what you did to all of them. I'm going to cut you to pieces. And she threatened Elijah again, right? And when he saw that, he arose and what did he do? He ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a tree, and he prayed that he would die. I, I mean, I don't know what I would do. If fire came from heaven, I would, I would probably go the opposite way, be like, all right, that's it. I'm the man now, you know, I'm going to sign a shoe contract, and, you know, I'm going to get big time, right? And he prayed, that I may die. He says, this is enough. This is enough. I can't do this anymore. Take my life. I'm not better than my father's. And as he laid there asleep under the tree, an angel touched him <laughs> and woke him up and said, arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a, a cake that was baked on coals and a jar of water. The angels came and made him a meal. I love that. That's so, that is so cool. Uh, so he ate and he drank and he laid down again. And the angel Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. The journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that meal for how long? 40 days. That's some good food right there. And 40 nights. And as far as Horeb, the mountain of God, and there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you, what are you doing? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, for God and for the Lord God and of the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I'm the only one left and they seek to kill me. Now, how many other prophets were there? I think there was 450 or 500 prophets that were also with Elijah that were broken up into groups of 50. And yet here he is, I'm all alone. There's no one else out there. Like, I'm the one they're after. And God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And the Lord passed by. Y'all know, y'all probably heard this story many times. And a great strong wind came and tore into the mountains. Violent wind came and tore the mountains. Like, if you and I were saying, hey, God, we're in a really low place right now. We need to hear from you. We need to feel your presence. And God shows up, we think, in this wind and tears up a mountain. We would be like, that's absolutely God. That's God. Like, only God can do that, right? And, and, and then it says, um, he broke the mountain into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came, came an earthquake, right? Oh, okay, that's got to be God. A wind and then an earthquake? Man, that's definitely God. It's really loud. It's shaking. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. Like, okay, that's got to be fire. He just answered a prayer. Fire came from heaven. That's got to be God. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the fire. <clears throat> but after the fire, what came? The still, small voice. Everyone say that, the still, small voice. Some translations says the whisper, the breath, the ruach, the breath of God came. And then it says, and that was God. 
and he heard God. And then he called Elijah and he gave him exact instructions of what to do. I wanted to share that story and go through that process here today. <laughs> I was like, what am I hearing? I wanted to share that because I feel is a picture of where we are, are as a culture, that we live in a time where there are not righteous people in the highest places of leadership in, in businesses. It's not just government and corporations. Uh, there's the seven mountains. There, there's not righteous people in the seven mountains, in, in media, in, in Hollywood, uh, in the, the arts and creativity, in, in a lot of the church. There, we're missing that righteous culture, right? And so you could say that there's an Ahab and a Jezebel. There's an unrighteous rulership right now. And what it's doing is it's stirring up hatred toward God. And all of our nice, again, let me say this first. All of the encouraging, encouraging prophetic words that happens in the house, that should never stop. The Bible says when you prophesy, it should be to edify, to build up, and to cheer on, to strengthen, right? But what I'm saying is there has to be a counterculture voice that comes from inside the church that points at the spirits, like Mandy said, the spirits and the principalities that are stirring up hatred toward God and says, you are wrong, you are wrong. And then the culture that follows it into sin and idolatry and debauchery, we can stand up and say, and you need to repent from that. And it starts in the church. And when we start cleaning house in the church and we start repentance in the church and we start having purity in the church, then when we say it to the world, it carries a weight behind it. And there's a prophetic voice that's going to rise up from the church that's going to get the church in trouble. I, I just wanted to talk about this. Prophet, prophetic voices are going to be imprisoned. Prophetic voices are going to be abused and punished. I don't, I don't know how far that it can be taken. Lives may be taken because of the hatred for God. <clears throat> the Bible says that before we came into relationship with God, before we accepted Jesus as our Savior, we were at enmity with God. In other words, we hated him and anything about him. Like we were opposites. We were at odds. And our world is at enmity with God right now. And he says later in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, can't remember off the top of my head. I didn't plan to say that. But it says uh, friendship with the world is enmity or hatred toward God. We can't be friends with this world we live in right now. We can't put our head down and be like, oh, we just want to be quiet and safe so we can keep meeting together in our groups of 50. Yeah. God's calling us to come out of the caves and to come out of the caves with the word of the Lord. Now, this is not, um, um, this is not a license to be judgmental. Yeah. Everything Mandy said, I 100% agree. We're here to be an embassy, a safe place for people to come. We're here to love people. But when it comes to righteousness and holiness, there's no compromise. There's an old saying that says, and I, and I, I heard it on a, a radio show years ago, and it's become something I'm teaching my sons. There are many things that I believe to be true that I shall never say. There are many things that I believe to be true that I shall never say. But I shall never say something that I don't believe. Yeah, come on. And we live in a world today, 
that is saying, say things you don't believe so that you don't get punished. Say things you don't agree with so that you don't get silenced. Say things you don't agree with so you can hang out with the cool crowd. Say things you don't agree with so you can stay on social media. Say things you don't agree with so you can keep meeting as a church with tax exemption. Say things you don't agree with so that you don't get persecuted. And that is no longer okay for us. Are y'all okay? Like, there's a lion in us. And we cannot be afraid of the war we've been called into. We cannot be afraid of it. We cannot bury our heads in the sand and say, oh, someone else will do this. Yes, someone else will do it. Someone else will step up. Someone else will. I don't want to miss the reward that comes with saying yes. We can't afford to. Our kids need to see us stand up for righteousness. Are y'all okay? It's, it's more important for our kids to hear us fight for righteousness than for us to be liked. But here's the danger. In that, in that atmosphere that we're in, where the voice of the Lord is trying to be pushed out, it's easy for us to look at the loud things, the thunder, the lightning, the earthquake, the wind, and think that that's God. And it's easy for us to move because it had to be God, right? Only, and we miss that he leads with the whisper. So it would be easy in this culture to just start running our mouths and saying stuff, even if it's true. We just start doing this. Well, God wants us to do this. Yeah, but he's whispering his instructions to us. And I I feel a strong prophetic anointing that's, that's coming over this house. I feel the Lord stirring a prophetic thing inside of me. And it's a prophetic thing that speaks truth to power, that speaks truth to principalities, and I just want to ask, let's go. Let's be prophetic. Let's, let's declare the word of the Lord. Let's not say things that we don't believe or just nod to just get along. The silent majority, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe in that anymore. Well, the silent majority, we, we still have power. No, the silent majority doesn't have power anymore. The loud 5% has power. The loud 5% has power right now. It's the ones that speak that gain the influence. It's the ones that take the risk that gain the influence. It's the ones that aren't afraid to be persecuted that gain the influence. Like we were talking the other day, how many of you have seen the movie Bugs Life? You may remember the movie, The Bug's Life, the Disney Pixar movie. Basically, in this movie, there are these mean grasshoppers who are making ants collect all the food to give to the grasshoppers, right? And all the ants are working really, really hard, and they're trying to gather up enough food for themselves and for the, for the hoppers, for the grasshoppers, but there's just no way they can do it, right? And they're under the, the influence in the, the boot of these bigger, stronger, scarier grasshoppers, right? And the 
goofiest little ant becomes a hero because he just doesn't know better. He just trips into it. And at the very end, they're all about to be destroyed. I don't want to ruin the movie. It's a, you should go watch it. It's a great movie. But the, the lesson is, if we step out, one, one, if one of us steps out, we get crushed. If one of us steps up and speaks up, we get knocked out. But they can't kill all of us. So all the ants begin to rise up together like, we're way more than them. They're more with us than are with them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like all these great Disney movies are, it's so funny. They are very anti-God, but man, all their stories sound really familiar from the Bible. They're way more with us than with them. And the, and the ants overpower them. Yes, yeah, some of them get wounded. Some of them get crushed. Some of them get killed, probably. It's a Disney movie, so you don't really see that. But it probably happened, right? But they won. And I feel like right now, it's really important for us to rally together and for us all to speak as one. Lance Wall now, man, he says that. He, he has, we've shared this a long time ago. I haven't made reference to it in a while, but we were at a conference and there was probably 3,000, two or 3,000 people there. And he had everyone stand up and, and he had a stand, you know, in a, an aggressive pose and he had everyone scream together, one, two, three, I'll try. <laughs> and so everyone gets up, they're like, I'll try. And he's like, you feel that? It's like up here, it's in your head, right? And he's like, we will. One, two, three, and everyone says, we will, and you feel it here. I will. And then he's like, all right, now I want you to do this. I want you to chant one, two, three, as one. And the whole place said, as one. And you just hear the echo of as one. The power of us coming together, saying the same things that God's saying, having a unified voice, having a unified purpose. We don't have to have our own ideas. All we need is God's ideas. And then we gather around those ideas and we say, that's what we're for. We defend that. Let's go for it. And so I just speak over this house that God is stirring up a prophetic movement in the house. He's going to increase our ability to hear the voice of the Lord. We cannot be a prophetic house without hearing God first. It's the first step. Our sons and daughters need to hear the voice of the Lord. They need to know his voice. They need to be able to tell when there's three or four things lined up that are all very similar, which one's God. They need to know. So I, w- I would like for you to stand with me. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask, how many of you... How many of you are at a place in your walk with God where you're ready for some risk? Come on. Come on. Yeah. For some risk. <sighs> Something happens when you say yes. Things are attracted to that. Amen. And God wants us to step out in risk, to step out in faith. The world needs to see a pure representation of the gospel. The world needs to see a pure representation of the power of the gospel. It's not enticing words of men's wisdom. It's the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. It's the power and demonstration of God's authority on the earth. That's what the gospel is. Yes, it's good news, but it's power. And we're not ashamed of it, right? We're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power for salvation, right? But it's power. So God, we say yes to you today. I ask that you would increase our capacity to take good risk. Increase our capacity to hear your voice. 
Let us steward the condition of our heart so that it attracts your voice. (laughs) Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're ready to hear you. And we say yes to whatever you say. We will obey you. We will follow you. Yeah? We trust you. And God, I ask that you would stir up the lions in this house. Everyone in here is a lion. Men, women, we're all lions. Little ones and big ones, we're all lions. Come on. I ask that you stir up the lion and the prophetic voice in this house. A voice that cuts. A voice that's like a a sword. Mm. A voice that has the authority to pray simple prayers and see fire come down from heaven. We are playing for keeps. Like this is, this is eternity we're, we're dealing with here. Generations to come. The next generation, oh, let me stop for one second. We are creating such a mess for the next generation. We're, we're creating impossible problems for them to solve. They're just impossible. Because we're trying to build on another truth. It's not the truth of the gospel, the truth of of God's principles. And we better start undoing the mess. Come on and listen to me. I'm being serious. Like, Yeah, the rest of the world may go to hell. But as for me and my house, man, we're not just going to serve the Lord. We're going to live by his principles. And we're only going to say what's true. We're not going to lie. We're not going to say things we don't believe. We're not even going to learn all the new vocabulary. I've done this in my house because there's a whole new vocabulary being taught right now. I don't know if you know this or not. Like all these new genders that they're just words that are made up like what does this even mean you're just making words up and our our kids are learning the definitions of all these things that it's fake yeah. Come on. it's all lies and i tell my kids like we have a conversation and joe starts saying well it's this thing. like no no stop i don't want you to know what that means i don't want you to even know what it means Don't know what the genders are. Don't know the arguments and the stuff that they're trying to teach and cram down our throats. Don't. The Bible says, be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. This is Romans 16, 19 and 20. I love that part, right? Be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. And then what's the promise? And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. That's Romans 16, 19, and 20, Patricia. (laughs) Romans 16, 19, and 20. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. But it starts with being excellent at what is good and not knowing the evil stuff. Be innocent of evil. And so, God, I pray that over our families. I pray that over my heart. Remind me of that. I don't want to learn new stuff that's not yours. I don't want to learn new definitions and terminology that's not from you. And God, I, I pray over my sons and my, and my grandkids. Mm. May they be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. That you, the God of peace, whoa, will crush Satan underneath our feet. 
That's who we hate. We hate Satan. We hate what he does to people. And when there's such a better alternative, we can't be silent. So God, I ask that you would raise up righteousness in this house. Come on. Would you pray that God raise up righteousness in me? I want to pray it like this. Establish righteousness in me. Establish righteousness in me. I just feel him building stuff in me right now. I got goosebumps when we said that. Instruct us with righteousness. Last thing I want to pray, and I'm going to hand it off to, to Hank and Ashley to close it out. We want to pray for you, but I would like for you to just put your hand on your heart. And would you just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for building inside of me the ability to hear your voice. (laughs) I am only alive because you spoke. I only live because you speak. And I ask you to tune my ear tune my heart to your life-giving voice. I need to hear from you and I will steward it well. Release your voice over my life. they come up to close, would you just pray for someone next to you? Just pray whatever comes to your mind. The Lord's Lord will release a word over them. That's so good. He's he's worth it. (laughs) He's he's actually, he's worth it. Um, To obey what the Lord speaks to you and to do it, he's worth it. If it costs you everything, he's worth it. I, I, I want to speak to someone in the room who is has been burnt by following the Lord's voice, who, who tried it and either got it wrong or it backfired on them or it seemed like it backfired on them. I want to speak to that person. Do not grow weary in doing good. 
do it again. <laughs> do it again. If you hear the Lord's voice one out of a hundred times, pray a thousand times. You heard it ten times. <laughs> do the math. He is worth it. The verse that's popping in my head is, is in view of God's mercy. This is out of uh, Romans 12, verse 1. In view of God's mercy, let's offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Like, as, I mean, if you're, if you're getting tired of this, if you're, if you, if you're weary and, and, and doing good, if you're just tired of, of stepping out and getting burnt, just keep going, keep doing it. Righteousness wins. I encourage you guys, listen to his voice. Take the time to sacrifice your life. The, offer your time to the Lord. Offer your money. Offer, offer your, your reputation to step out and take a risk and to love on somebody who shouldn't, people, you know, the world deems it shouldn't be loved on. I just, I'm stirred by that. And so if that's you, we want to pray for you guys. We want to uh, invite you up here. If, if you're stirred by this message, come on up. We want to pray for you. Uh, if you're feeling that burn of risk and you don't know what to do, let's just, we'll just pray. Just start with prayer. Just start with come up and just saying, Lord, here I am. I don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing. I've got that burn in me. And so uh, we love you guys. Again, if, if, if you need prayer for anything, even healing, uh, 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 if you need to be set free from something that's just been plaguing you, uh, if you, uh, if you need to give your give your life to the Lord for the first time, I mean, just just come on, just take this step and run after this incredible, amazing, kind, loving God. He's worth it. So we love you guys. Again, coming up. With you.